Stay tuned for part two of the Sunday Night Extravaganza, me and Rusilla. If you missed part one, check it out wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. If you want to hear talk about Phil Mickelson winning the PGA at age 50, listen to Fairway Rolling with House. And Nathan, they put a podcast up. We also put part one of this podcast up a few hours ago. We covered the East. We're about to cover the West right now and all the storylines, Clippers, Lakers, the Grizzlies game that just happened. Uh, are the Nuggets done? All that stuff. It's all next. First Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, part two of the Simmons Priscilla Sunday Night Extravaganza. I'm glad we waited for the end of Grizzlies Jazz. That turned out to be a really good game. Intriguing game. Intriguing storyline. Might as well start there. It is now 9.18 PT, so we're past midnight on the East Coast. We just watched eight basketball games, but uh, the Grizzlies kind of handed it to the Jazz. Now, obviously no Mitchell, but um, I went into that game thinking, man, emotional Friday night game over the Warriors. Um, they're not going to have a lot left in the tank. Cross this one off. Game two, they'll rally. No, they came out throwing haymakers and Ja looked great. And do you think they can win this series? If Utah's going to let Ja and Dylan Brooks get to wherever they want, then yeah, Memphis can win. I mean, I of all the things, like you think of like major themes, okay, what do you think of this game? The number one that stands out, and there's a lot of important stuff here, but Jogging as deep as he wanted to every single time. And then Brooks in the third quarter did whatever he wanted. And you just keep watching it, and you're like, okay, when is this going to stop? And with Ja, it's so tough because he's going to get by you if he wants to get by you. And then once he's in the middle, in that kind of like, you know, inside the paint two-point range, he, he go, he's he got such lift that's quick 
that you, you're kind of just waiting for him and there's no way you can match his movement. Like once he's decided he's going to do what he's going to do, you're already late. And it's devastating when it's working. And, you know, for a Utah team that we've always liked defensively, I thought that was pretty poor effort from them. Yeah, it's funny. You think like a week ago, Josh sucked in that Warriors game. They left him wide open. He missed a bunch of threes. His rookie cards plunged. And they did? Just- is that is that true? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a whole thing. And the Sports Cards Nonsense podcast, Geo, he's, he says the overreactions up and down with the playoffs are nuts. So right now, like Trey Young and John Moran are the two hottest cards. A week ago, Ja was free-falling because he sucked in that Warriors game. And in a week, he salvaged it. And the thing that makes him special, you talking about like his floaters and stuff, and he has the two versions of it, right? He just has a traditional floater, which Trey Young has as well. But then he has that move where he goes left and then he just does that quick, crazy spin and he's just completely in control and the perfect shooting thing. And the, and the defender's like still playing him like he's going to the left. And by the time they know, all of a sudden he's shooting it. Uh, as you said, he got wherever he wanted. And Brooks, you know, Brooke, I know Brooks is, I, Verno, we've always talked about him. He's He's definitely a frustrating Grizzly to the diehard Grizzlies fans because... When he's good, he's really good, but he can also be the guy who's like, I got this. And meanwhile, he's like six for 22. Um, he's t- he's a really unique player because he's a guy like in a playoff series, I kind of want him out there. And he's he's another 90-10 guy, right? The 10%, eh, he'll take the three. Maybe he shouldn't take every once in a while, but he plays so freaking hard. Um, he's almost like a hockey player. He's like, like a hockey player in a hockey series where it's just like, He's knocking dudes over. He's he's just in the middle of everything. And I like this team. I, I liked them after Friday night. I thought that was a really, really impressive win to do that in Golden State against Steph, especially when Golden State started hitting him back. They fought it off. They regrouped. It, it, I, this team's good. They're just, they're young, but they're really, really talented. And I think Utah should be scared. Yeah, the Dylan Brooks thing is, is pretty fascinating because if you look at it, when it's right, you're you're you nailed it because he's he's tough, right? There's no doubt in his mind the entire time. And it, discovering or trying to figure out exactly like what you want out of every player, like how confident do I want you to be? Well, I want you to be more confident than you should be, but I don't want you so confident that you're taking away from everything else that's happening. Mm. Like Jordan Clarkson, who has been terrific for Utah this year, you saw in those moments tonight where it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to score because we're down. And you're like, yeah, but now you're not really doing anything. Like the whole reason we like Utah is because of this team that a bunch of guys initiating the offense, moving the ball around, and they're seven to thirty-five from threes, and guys are just bombing away, and they don't even look like the offense that we fell in. Well, might look fell in love with is strong, but a yeah. team that had the best best record in the NBA. Like I know the reaction is big, ah, Utah sucks, and we're like, okay, but they didn't suck. Okay, they didn't suck, and to see them struggle like this offensively, although they made a late run. And then to see a guy like Brooks, who's just like, I don't care who you guys are. I don't care. Like, I don't care. And everything was going in. But if I'm Utah today uh, or going into tomorrow and looking at the film of this, and I'd be like, hey, do you guys want to defend anybody? And I know Rudy fouled out, but Rudy was in there for a lot of it too. And I think the scariest part for Utah is at one point, I think there was only two starters at the start of the fourth quarter for Memphis in. And they got the lead to like 94-77. So it was like, hey, are they going to maintain this 8-10 to point lead? They almost doubled it. So there's just so much of this where Utah, you're like, what are you guys doing? You're not going to shoot it that badly. Again, I wouldn't expect. But the first thing you have to figure out is like, I realize Ja is challenging. And he cooked Conley on that missed layup too. That was like, ugh, right towards the end. 
And I didn't feel like Conley was all that impactful, but they've got to figure out a way to, to fix that a little bit more. Tillman plays eight minutes and does nothing today. He's the hero on Friday night. But they get uh, they get some Bain. Bain was this guy who the Celtics basically gave away in the draft last year. They had the 30th pick. They kind of didn't want to pay a third first rounder. And they're like, cool, take Bain. We'll give us a future second. And I forget what else, but it, it really was a giveaway. And Bain hit that three at the end of the third quarter, I think, and talked more trash after it than anyone on the Celtics has, I think, all year. <laughs> I was like, oh, would have been nice to have Bain on, on our team. At least he would have barked at somebody. Um, but he's Bain's good. They, they have so many guys on this team. Like Clark and Winslow got DNPs again. This no, they're so sneaky. Deep. Yeah, they're sneaky deep. And and the great thing about Bain is you went, okay, how often is he going to be allowed to do the stuff that he was doing in college? Because he was running everything. Everything kind of went through him. And then he comes to Memphis and he plays off of everybody. But you even saw there was one possession, I think, in particular where he did get deep in the paint and like set something up. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the guy that's in college that is handling the ball a little bit more. I want to ask you a Brooks question, though, because I forgot it as we were run through Brooks. Yeah. Do you think in a weird way the Memphis experience for him has been perfect, though? Because if he had been on a better team, you know, people would have told him to stop doing any of the stuff he was doing. Because if you look at the advanced stuff, this is the best advanced PER he's ever had, and it's still below average. Like his advanced numbers have been pretty bad for four years. Yeah. Um, he shoots at 34% from three, which isn't great, but he's physical and he's, and I just wonder if he were on a better team with less of an opportunity, where clearly throughout these years, because of injuries and, you know, Memphis hasn't been great. They've needed him to be more of an alpha for this team, where I think his growth, a lot of it is because he was allowed to kind of be the guy he's been, where with another team, you know, them benching him probably for a lot of stuff that he did with Memphis, where Memphis needed him to be out there through his mistakes. I think another situation, he may have never developed into the guy that has the confidence he has now. No, I'm not sure they knew he was this guy either, because then why do you do the Justice Winslow trade last year? Right, because Winslow's a lottery guy, and it's probably half the fan bases are holding out hope for Justin Winslow. Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow, yeah. But you do that trade because you think, eh, we like Brooks, but I'm not sure this is our starting backcourt for the next 10 years. I, I'll say this, and we didn't really talk about the Friday night game that much, but he did this on Sunday too. I don't know if it's the best I've ever seen anyone defend Steph, but it's in the conversation. And I'm trying to think, like, Drew Della Vadova. Remember when Della Vadova almost died <laughs> in the 15 finals? Right. Forgot about that. Uh, I just think Steph's almost impossible to defend, and he did pretty much everything you want to do. Steph was still getting his points, but he really made him work, and he really gave him issues. Caruso does an okay job against Steph, but I, I thought Brooks was fantastic against him. Steph really worked for every single point he had. And he did all the right things, right? He wasn't talking too much trash, but he was always around him. He was always in his space. You know, he's got he's got hands. There's just he leads the league just in fouls. To play again, yeah. He, but I don't think he cares. I think he's yeah. just a really no, physical two guard. It wasn't even me being uh, negative about it, but because uh, he fouled out of the re the last regular season game when they lost, I believe. Can we talk about the hottest topic? That's not a playoff topic right now. Canada's 2024. Olympic team? Wiggins. Offense runs through him. Alexander Walker on the Pelicans. RJ. Chris Boucher. Never misses a shot. Brissett on the Pacers. Uh, you're reaching a bit. Brandon Clark. 
Apparently, Dort counts. Dort does count. Uh, Why would SGA, he not count? SGA. Corey Joseph, veteran. Um, Jamal Murray. Kelly Olynyk, Dwight Powell, Tristan Thompson, Wiggins. That's a real team. And Brandon, and uh, and our guy Dylan Brooks. That's a that's a real. I'm team, not as excited. It? I mean, you know, you just named a bunch of guys from Canada, and some are pretty good. But <laughs> Canada, I mean, <laughs> where can I bet on them for 2024? Well, to do what? It's like Olynyk, Olynyk, and the Olynykettes. I don't know. Um, this Mitchell thing, you want to talk about it? There's all kinds of rumors. I don't know what's true and not true, but all I know is. Utah was minus 1,300 to win this series on FanDuel. Memphis was plus 700 underdog to win the series. Everyone thought Mitchell was playing. Everyone thought he was fine. There was no word that he wasn't playing. And then two hours before, he, all of a sudden he's not playing. And he's saying they make it seem like it was the team's decision. The whole thing was weird. I'm sure it's going to blow up tomorrow, maybe even by the time people hear this podcast. But very strange. Whole I don't know thing. what happened. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, I know there's there's different I mean because of this podcast I don't want to say like hey there's I don't know I don't know what happened it, the people thought he was ready to go and then he wasn't but the team's the one that said that they shut it down um and he was there's out competing, there there's competing theories about what may have happened we'll leave it at that in the, right. in the basketball community yes there's a lot of buzz with different theories let's just say it's not as many as the JFK assassination but there's multiple theories no no um but I don't, I don't know what's, what's right or not. So, I mean, you could, you could chalk it up to that. I mean, if you're Utah, you want to sit here and make excuses be like, well, you find out you're not getting Mitchell a cup. You still, you still should, you've played with Mitchell. You've played without him enough. I still think you're supposed, you're supposed to win this game. You're at home. You're the better basketball team. And really, if you had never told anybody what the records were, you'd be like, wait, they're better than them. Cause it didn't look like it. it I mean, that's, what's kind of the scary thing. Like, I guess you could just say at one point when Utah's seven to 35 from three and they made the number look a little bit better because Bogdanovich went, went crazy in the second half, but Conley didn't look that great offensively. I think they had moments for favors. And, you know, and this is kind of like a bigger Rudy Gobert thing too. It's like, if you really are one of the 15 best players in the league and he's getting MVP votes, I think Hollinger voted him second for his MVP. I just go, wait, what? I, uh, should I double check that? Because I don't want to like get that. I wrong. didn't even feel great about putting him third team All NBA as my third team All NBA center. Like, I, for the reason you said, I'm like, am I positive this is one of the best 15 players in the league? It's just in those moments, it's like you know what? If you're going to be one of these guys, I need you to be one of these guys. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need you to be somebody who feels like. Okay, now we can we can use Rudy now. We can use Rudy now because Mitchell's, Mitchell's out. out. Mitchell's have, out. We, we'll ride Rudy a little bit right. more. We have this top 15 player. And, you know, on top of it, too, you're like, okay, well, you guys understand the defensive impact. We've all seen the numbers. It's been going on for years. We know what the on-off-court stuff is. It's insane. It always has been for him. And it was even better again, you know what I mean, after, like, taking a dip back. But then when you're watching it happen, you're going, all right, so Jaws getting whatever he wants. I mean, we can blame it on foul trouble. We could do all those different things, but it's just, it's a fact. There are Rudy Gobert playoff games where you go, wait, I'm supposed to believe he's one of the 15 best players in the league? Like, that well, doesn't feel like it's accurate. And Valanciunas is a weird matchup for him that not necessarily the perfect guy for him to go against. What's weird to me about the Grizzlies thing is Jackson really hasn't looked that good since he came back and he missed, you know, two-thirds of the season, three-fourths of the season, whatever it was. But... They're not even really getting a lot from him yet. And I do feel like the longer they can hang around in the postseason, at some point he's going to heat up. We both think he's good. 
I just feel it, he just seems a little rusty to me. And how does he fit in? And the team's in a good groove. But if they can get 24 to 28 really good minutes out of him, um, this looks better and better. But Dylan Brooks took 26 shots tonight, which I think is hilarious. Did you find out if Hollinger voted Gobert second for MVP? That you can't know, be true. There's no way he, he put him over Jokic and Embiid. That's crazy. All right, we looked it up. He did have him second. So he had Jokic first, Embiid second. Look, it's there's a statistical case for it, I guess, but it's it's I I personally don't see how he's above Embiid or Curry. But this is why it's fun to have votes. It's fun to argue about them. I don't get it. I don't get that one. Um Memphis Every lower seed won this weekend in the West, except for the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Portland six. Yeah. Yeah. I'm able to figure it out. Last year, the two one seeds lost their first games. So you have a scenario where if Dallas can upset the Clips, and we'll talk about that series in a second, and Memphis can somehow donkey punch the jazz out of nowhere and, and pull off. I'm know. not quite there yet. I, I, I'm just, I'm hypothetical. Right. Okay. We could have a Dallas Memphis round two. And then if it's, if Phoenix holds on to beat the Lakers again, this is all overreaction Sunday. Um, we could have a final four of Phoenix, Portland, Dallas, and Memphis. That'd be fucking weird. It's in play. I don't think it'll happen, but it's in play. Um, if Golden State's in that game today, what happens? Because uh, I am of the theory that if Utah isn't hitting threes, anyone can beat them in one game. Like, they're so built around at least shooting 32 to 34% from three. If they just tank from three like that, I think they're extremely vulnerable against any decent team. They beat Memphis three times this year. And if I look through it, I'm sure they're missing like one of their guys, either Conley or Mitchell at some point for one of those games. So um, I, I've i been on the record throughout all of this run, as much fun as I've been watching a Golden State, you know, get all these role players, get going in the defensive numbers to close the season and Steph, Steph, Steph. But that's just not that great of a basketball team. You know, I was surprised they were that close with the Lakers. But one game, we all knew Steph was capable of anything. That whole game going into the Memphis second playing game, and at least I have this on the record because Cowherd called me and I go, I think Memphis wins this game. Like, I just have some weird thing where I feel like storyline will just remember like, oh, that's right. And Steph ended up not being in the playing game. So I don't want to talk about Steph that much more anyway. But if it's Golden State instead, Utah probably has a better chance. I just don't think that Golden State team was that good. I just don't. It's it, the seven. I, I love the playing game. I wonder if the seven, eight if it's too dramatic of an impact for the team that loses, if it's a game where it's like basically a game seven and then you lose and then all of a sudden you have to play the nine, 10 and then the nine seed just has an easier game. The 10 seed is going to be either mediocre or worst seven, eight, you start talking yourself into it. You know, it, it's just, it was weird how in a weird way, golden state would have been better off finishing nine and playing San Antonio and easing into the Memphis game versus I think they went, I, you know, obviously I was there, so I was watching their bench and stuff. They really thought they were going to win that Laker game. That whole team did. They were, they, they had this game plan. They were trying to execute it. They were all in on it. And I think they really thought they were going to catch the Lakers by surprise, which leads me to 
Yeah, but before before you do that, though, let's just stay on this because I do think this is a real results-based conversation because yeah. then it's like if Memphis got smoked, we'd all be saying, well, you know, the emotional turnaround, right? Because Golden State lost to Memphis because the Lakers game. That's what I was led to believe, right? Not that Golden State's no, not but that, that good. That game was physical and they basically played seven okay. guys fine. and took a lot out of Curry, I think. All right, I so think fine. that's a fair, there was some residue. But if we want to connect everything, we always connect things to the results. So if Memphis had gotten smoked tonight, you'd be like, you know what? Two playing games on the road. That's you what know, I traveling. Thought. That's the turnaround. It can't happen. Like last but year, they're young, were two... young team though. <laughs> well, no, I, you're saying that now, but <laughs> I know just, exactly I'm what would happen. Retrospect, I'm right. saying it. Young yeah, team. But, they they but, bat, that Friday game bounced off. The, this team has the advantage. I think we all do this stuff based on the results. I'm going to point to two games last year. I think Denver had the quick turnaround where um, they. They got smoked by LA, right? In the in the first game of their yep. second round series. And then why was that? Because you're like, oh, Denver just played this ridiculous series with Utah. The, the quick turnaround. You can't, you know what I mean? Like people were even suggesting, because this happens out there with the minutes freaks of just pun on game one. When <laughs> you're like, well, dude, it's a set best of seven. You can't do that. Yeah. And so then it's like a hey, pun on game one. So then what did Houston have? They have that seven-game series in Oklahoma City. They play on a Wednesday. Game one against the Lakers is a Friday. Everybody is like your mortgage on the Lakers because Houston, the emotional turnaround, and they win by 15 points. So yeah. I, I think I lost money we, get, on that one. we get really caught up in the connecting results because of all the, the – but now it's like, well, Memphis, they're riding this emotional high. And then Utah was just sitting around where if it were the other way around, we'd be like, that's too much to ask of a young Memphis team. So I, I don't buy a lot of this stuff. Can I give you a better theory on this Memphis Utah game tonight? I think the Mitchell thing was a really weird story. And I, I'm I glad you brought it, was it up. A major distraction. Yeah. So it's like, wait a second. I thought Mitchell was playing. This, this, he's not playing. Wait, he's saying the team's telling him not to play. Like that's not a way to get ready for a playoff series. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up again because right. uh, I think it's important. We'll find out what the hell's going on this week. See what's up. Well, Memphis is going to win the title. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about uh, the Lakers. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? Little double header, little NBA double header. Right, at first half of the first game. I don't know West Coast time. That's usually about five o'clock, five thirty. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at mclobeultra.com slash courtside LDA twenty one and up. All right, so you were talking about results based conclusions. So I think back to Wednesday night where the Warriors seemed like they were going to beat the Lakers. And then kind of lost control of the steering wheel. Then they gained the steering wheel again. Then they blew it in the last three minutes. Lakers clinched the seventh seed. Then they sucked again today. They basically played one good half out of the last four. And this is something I was arguing with you about a few weeks ago that I'd rather catch the Lakers early. I watched them today. For I mean, we can talk about what happened to Davis in a second because that was weird. But I still don't think they know what their rotation is. I don't think Vogel knows who his guys are. I don't think he has a feel for the team. And I don't think the team has a feel for itself. Now, 
the longer the playoffs goes, they're going to, they're going to get a feel for it, but you could really feel it today. It's like, there's like these, there's these drumming minutes and then that there's a certain style with that. And then he comes out and then there's this Harold thing, which is a completely different style and energy than the German thing. And then ultimately they end up with nah, fuck both of those guys. Let's play Davis big. Um, they don't, they haven't really figured out who their reliable guys are in that Caruso, Schroeder, KCP, Kuzma, Wes Matthews. It's like, they can't just settle on three of them. And I, I just don't feel like they have an identity. Now it might not matter if LeBron just flips the Nas switch from fast and furious and just does LeBron stuff. And then Davis runs into shape, but, um, they just look really sloppy to me. And I expected more from them, especially when they had four days off. The Suns seemed like they had a perfect game plan. They seem really confident. Chris gets hurt. Doesn't matter. Booker's torching them. He's doing whatever he wants. And they had a real game plan on Davis and Aiton showed up. And that that was a really nice win for the Suns. The Aiton part of this is incredible. um, Because if you look at the regular season in the three games, he was 16 and like six and a half rebounds per game. And in this one... He's 21 and 16. So the reason I always liked LA in this matchup, and we even saw Anthony Davis go for 42 and 12 a week ago against him. Yeah. Um, and that was, was without LeBron. You're like, oh, this is why I, I I wanted to pick Phoenix out of the West so badly, but I didn't I didn't want to after this matchup. So yeah, who I I think I've been really fair about because you go, I don't know. I don't know. But the effort is there. Like he does seem to care. And the Drummond size, Harold LeBron size thing. I don't understand the Drummond minutes. I don't. Somebody'd have to explain them to me. I don't get them. Have we talked? Have we talked about this yet? Maybe we touched that, on it, but I no, I don't think on a pod. I just I didn't know if we texted. On I it. did a little bit because when he got those three possessions against the Warriors, where they actually got him the ball three times, and, it, and he never. I think you did. You talk to me or send me a text. I think I was texting you about it because I was like, I don't get I, you in house. I was like, he I never came back, Drummond. right? Yeah, I was like, I don't get this drumming thing at all. It just it just seems like a weird fit. Doesn't seem like they like playing with him. Not sure why he's here. They tried to get him going again today, and it didn't work. Anyway, I interrupted you. He only played 19 minutes today. No, and, and so there's that Carol part of it. 15. Yeah, and then I think they're doing this Wes Matthews thing because they thought they'd get some light from him, which, um, you know, Talon Horton Tucker's not really part of the rotation here. He's only seven minutes today. LeBron had eight points the first four-plus minutes of this game. Think about that. Then he had 10 the rest of the way. So LeBron scoring 18, Anthony Davis being awful. And, you know, for everybody that's the best, like I'm a huge Anthony Davis guy, but no matter who the player is, we can do the takedown of him. Like, all right, I love Steph. Kind of wish he didn't turn over as much as he does because he has some moments where it's not just a bad turnover or force. It's just kind of lazy. Like Steph's, uh, and this is a whole nother uh, problem in the league. These screen pocket passes where the two stay with the ball handler on the pick and roll and everybody just wants to throw these slick sideways bounce passes that Harden's actually great at and Doncic is really good at, but everybody else wants to do them. I swear to God, the success rate is way lower than it should be because they throw these stupid side pocket passes and you're like, are you even looking at where the defense is when somebody drops back off? Because that's not going to go through those guys. And I think guys just already have it like programmed like, oh, here's the read. He's cutting, whatever bounce pass. Let's see what happens. The Warriors had how many? 40 of them in those two playing games that didn't work out? It's unbelievable. So, I mean, the Warriors are are like criminal with it. But so, as I mentioned, like Steph, 
no matter who the person is, I'll find a way to go. Yeah, if I want to be negative about it, like I could focus on some of these things. But Anthony Davis seems to need that kick in the ass. I mean, he came on after, did all the postgame stuff, Bill, was like, this is on me, this is on me, this is on me. He's been 20% from three the last two months. Now you say, okay, is that because he hasn't really been healthy? But then you look at the last week that he had during the regular season. He went 36 and 12, 42 and 12, 20 and 6, 28 and 10. So he's putting up numbers and he was still rebounding. So if he was hurt, I don't know that I would see. Like the guy I saw in the Phoenix regular season game was why I was like, yeah, this is why LA is going to be fine in this series. But it didn't work out because Davis, LeBron, and as you pointed out, Booker got got whatever he wanted and you got like a 50% Chris Paul in this game. If that I'll go further. I wish I hadn't seen that last Phoenix game. Cause I came away from that game thinking they'll never be Davis forgetting the part that Davis just no shows playoff games. This isn't like the first game where you're watching it. Like, is he awake? Like he had five free throw attempts today. It's just 39 minutes, five free throw attempts seven rebounds. It was like, he was barely there. He was like an empty vessel. And then you'll see him another night and he looks like he's, you know, the logical successor to Bill Russell and Abdul Jabbar. He's a really frustrating player. I, a lot of people went down or got hurt in this game. And I almost wonder if he had FOMO, like if he was he, just going to go to, go down to the ground and hold something just to get in on the action. Did you think that play was dirty by Paul underneath him? I did not. I thought he undercut him a little, but I didn't think it was like, I've seen Paul, I've seen others do worse. Uh, I thought he boxed like him out. out. I thought LeBron tried to draw the foul call and actually like misjudged his flop yeah. on it and ended up like really scared. I think he was just off balance. I thought I didn't, th I didn't have a problem with it though. And the, the pain uh, Caruso thing was a carryover from a previous possession where they rammed into each other and nothing was called. Yeah, you would think Caruso would get in more altercations because he's in the middle of it every game. He's really feisty and not afraid. He's a, yeah, he's a little Dylan chucked him. He chucked yeah. him, and then he threw the ball at him after he got back up. Yeah, that was uh, good. So if, I, if I'm looking at this from the Suns' standpoint, you talk about don't overreact to game one. I think this is a good example of don't overreact to game one. They had a week to prepare for this. They caught a Davis asleep. Aiton was awesome. I'm not sure Aiton's going to go 10 for 11 with 16 rebounds every playoff game. The sustainable thing for me is that their swings didn't really shoot the ball well, right? You think Cam Johnson, Crowder, and Bridges, and those guys were four for 17 from three. And usually with that team, if those guys aren't hitting threes, then somebody else has to step up in a big way. And the, today it was Booker. The Booker thing did seem sustainable to me. A lot like how Trey in that Knicks game where it was just like, oh shit. I mean, they're really going to have to figure out a strategy because they, they are not going to be able to stop this. Booker's, it wasn't just that he scored 34. I thought he did it pretty easily. I thought he got wherever he wanted. I liked all the shots he took. I didn't feel like there was a heat check. I just thought it was all flow of the offense, really good stuff. And then, you know, the announcer, who was the announcer for that game? Was it Van Gundy? Can't remember. Whoever the announcer was was saying, Chris Paul can't shoot. They should be dropping off him. Yeah, that was the Mark Jones, uh, Mark Jackson. Jones kept bringing up how he was dribbling lefty. And yeah. Because Paul hit that fadeaway that I, I couldn't believe he hit that. That was the only good one he made. But they were yeah. saying how his guy just should have been dropping off and going to Booker. And I, I was kind of agreed because it seemed like Paul was playing with one arm. I actually thought they should have taken him out. 
but he, he said he felt a crack. And so I, you know, the whole time I'm watching it, being like, are you serious? Like they're winning this game. They're the two seed. They get a real chance to do something here in the West and he's going to be hurt again. So he did come back, but it didn't look very good. But I'm with you on the Booker part of it because there's a there's a lesson that I think we all were. It was a reinforced lesson for all of us that, that spent a lot of time watching games because I think it comes up a lot. Like when somebody's cooking, you just be like, how come they don't double? How come they don't double? Lakers tried to double Booker and it didn't matter because as soon as they would, and it wasn't always a hard, just straight up, we're going to keep them two with you or two off the screen. It would be like, okay, once you start going this way, make sure the second defender starts leaning your way a little bit like that. As soon as NBA players figure out where the double's coming from, you're toast. And the same thing happened with Doncic and the Clippers. Like, you want to see this sellout double-team defense, and then you get it, and then as soon as the code is cracked, it's horrifying. So you run a guy to the middle, and he's an outlet, and now you have two defenders that are way out of the play to defend one guy, and that's why we don't see double teams, all right? I mean, I don't mind a double off, like, you know, Steph inbound, down three. He's catching it in the backcourt. Yeah, run two out him, force the ball out of his hands, live with the re- live with the results on something else. But this, this idea that you can consistently double-team NBA players, especially a guy like Booker who can handle, who can shoot, and can pass, or Doncic who has that kind of size, we were reminded again this weekend what happens because the Lakers tried a bunch of things with Booker, and none of it worked, man. Well, none of it worked in the fourth quarter. Eight near the rim, and you can't really leave their shooters open, even though they didn't make the threes today. Say the Knicks are in the same spot with Trey Young, right? They can't do the the Steph defense where they greet him at midcourt with two guys because that team has shooters all over the place. So I don't know what their wrinkle is going to be to fix how to stop Trey from getting in the paint and doing that stuff, but it's not going to be double teaming. The Booker thing's weird because it could be to keep like a Taj or whoever up. And go, all right, if we get burned on lobs, you get burned on lobs. But it was clear they were worried about the lob more with the Knicks on Trey. Because, you know, I think a lot of us are like, what are the adjustments? How are we going to There's usually not. Like, if somebody's awesome, <laughs> it's not It's not like all of a sudden this guy who's awesome is going to have 12 points. It's just I not actually, how it works. I think they're better off going with a taller guy with him. With Trey? Yeah. I would, I would try RJ on him. I would put size on him and give him help. And at least he has, like, a little bit more of a reach. But with the Booker thing, it's tough because it's all half court. You know, and the Suns, they, the the pace that, this is the reason we've liked them all year, the pace they play in their half court offense is what makes them special. Like, they're just really good at getting him good shots consistently all the time. I love all the shots he takes. I love, I love when he banks it. I just, I'm never like disappointed in a Suns possession unless it's, you know, the, the pick and roll where eight and fumbles it out of bounds or something, but, um, it was an impressive win. And, you know, what do we make of, of that LeBron performance? I didn't feel any urgency at all from him in that game. He seemed totally, yeah. it was almost like he thought they were going to lose or something. And he was like, I'm saving it for game two. I didn't get it at all. There's also another weird element of this game where they had what, 19 free throws before the Suns had one. And you yeah, go, well, it was how do you, 17 to nothing. Yeah. 17 to nothing. It may have been a, and then the Lakers missed a bunch of those free throws too. I'm going to throw something at you because it just kept popping up. Like of all the things you're trying to keep track of in a game, and there's just things you're, you know, if you wanted to watch one thing versus what I wanted to watch, you may see the game differently. Did you notice Bridges like holding up pretty well against LeBron? I 1000% did. I was like, whoa. This and by is... the way, on Wednesday night, Wiggins, same thing. LeBron couldn't back up Wiggins. And I, I was, and I was with my friend Shannon. I, I was like, is Wiggins stronger than I realized he was? 
But I so that he, one he, wasn't as concerning though because what ended up happening in the LeBron Lakers deal against Golden State, he, Lakers. he got going right. This game, you know, he scored eight points from the seven minute mark on, or ten points from the seven minute mark on. In what the first my theory? Quarter. Yeah, I don't, I don't think his wheels are right, and I think when he's a hundred percent physically, and somebody's on him like that. And he could just power them backwards and do that bully ball thing. It's coming from his knees down, right? Ultimately, he, he's using his ass and his knees and how strong his shoulders are. I don't think he, I noticed that on Wednesday night. I didn't feel like he trusted his wheels. And then in the second half, he got going. He was trying to get ahead of steam and stuff like that. But he didn't do a lot of like crazy cuts or anything like that. So I wonder, remember in the last game, it seemed like he stepped on somebody's foot. And then they were like, he's fine, he's fine. What, LeBron the New Orleans the, game? Yeah. yeah LeBron he was, can have he was the, great. LeBron can have these injuries that would sideline other people for three weeks and he just plays with them and he seems fine. But I I don't think he's 100% healthy. That's my theory. We touched on it though when he said it. Hey, I'll never be 100% again. And we're like, why would he do that? And maybe it's because he knows that he's hurt. But I wasn't as worried about it because I felt like ultimately we got pretty close to a LeBron version of him. And even in that New Orleans game, he was really good, even though they turned the ankle again. His his routine on the court, you can't ever tell how how hurt he is because you think he may die with the way it plays out on the court, and then he'll be right back in the play. But I thought there were a couple times where like he got bridges and he went to turn his back on him and work, and it didn't really it didn't really happen. It, and bridges didn't go backwards at all. Yeah, and I was like, wow, I don't I'm know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here because that is a if that's a real thing, and it's still you know to sit here and LeBron can get 35 in game two and you'd be like, okay, um, I don't I don't want to make that mistake. But if that's a real thing, like that's a real game changer for the series. Who do you think their best five is out of curiosity? The Lakers? Yeah. If you're going down, they're down, they're down three, two at home. I they're think it's eight. four and I don't ever know who the fifth guy is. But if you're guessing they're, they're down three, two in the series, they're home for game six. They're down eight with six minutes left. Who's on the floor? Well, it's Davis, LeBron. I think it's Schroeder, and it's. Uh, Are you sure it's Schroeder? I know he's had some rough, rough moments, but he's also uh -huh. had good moments this season. And like, what are you saying, Pope and Caruso? I think Pope and Caruso are out there, and I'm not sure who the fifth is. I don't think it's Kuzma, even though I think Kuzma fit with them. It stretches better this season, uh, where I. I Thought it was pretty obvious before he didn't really fit into what they're doing. They don't. They don't do Kuzma any favors. Like even look at the minutes today. Kuzma plays nineteen. Horton Tucker plays seven, and Matthews plays twelve. Like I, I don't get that. Like it's the playoffs. I'd want one of those guys to at least have twenty five and get like a real run. I, I just don't think somebody's helping you in twelve minutes. That just tells me they don't really know what they're getting out of those guys. I personally would not play Horton Tucker. I know. I think it's a size thing with Booker. I, I think that's what the Matthews deal is because at least size-wise, they feel like he can hold up because the other guys are too small. That's just a guess. But. Well, the the one thing with this Sun series that I thought was going to be awful for them was when Aiton didn't play, and they survived those minutes too. I know they don't, they don't have a backup center. You I know, can't believe they don't have a backup center. I, well, I cannot believe that happened this year. Where you're like, what? Like, what about Ken Birch? They couldn't have, like, fucking Toronto got him. They didn't even make the playoffs. They couldn't have gotten Ken Birch. They just needed, like, 
Deadman, anybody to who can play 12 minutes for them. Yeah. Or the Olenek buyout. Anything. Uh, all right. So neither of us are worried about the Lakers, but. Um, I think we're a little worried because the 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 size advantage thing. Did, I, I mean, are you going to sit here and be shocked now if Phoenix wins the series? I, you know, I don't know. I, I always thought the Lakers are, that was the worst draw for them because of the size and the front line thing. I'm not going to deviate from it too much, but. We also got to figure out what's going on with Paul, too. You know, yeah, I, I'm not worried. This one, I'm not doing any sort of big conclusions, other than they'll figure out the Booker thing. One of those guys will step up. The Chris Paul thing, he just didn't look right, and it it couldn't be like, oh, I kind of bumped my shoulder. Like it really seemed like something was wrong. And then he's saying after he felt a crack. Like none of that sounds good. He's old. He's put a lot of minutes. He was in the 2005 draft. He's I know, played it just like twelve hundred games, you know. Just, I was thinking I mean, of you when that got happened. I was thinking of you in Manhattan Beach, going, "No, <laughs> no!" Like Doctor Loomis, not again, no. Running down the street, people were like, "Is it a family member?" I'd be like, "Almost." <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. He knows uh, I care, even if um, I've never talked to him. So I think I've talked. I've talked to him a couple times. So panic meter. I'm going to give you the Lakers. I'm going to give you the Jazz. And I'm going to give you the Clippers. The Clippers is so much higher that it's not even worth debating. I feel that way as well. We're going to talk about them right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe. Award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right. The Clippers lose to Dallas in game one. Lucas Springs, one of the most delightful high IQ basketball games we've seen in a while. It was Shades of LeBron. LeBron at his peak, it just he just dissected them, did some queen on the chessboard shit. They were, they tried all these things that they thought were going to work, and he's like, cool, and just made the right decision every time. He just picked them apart, like a like the, he was picking butterfly wings off. Um, Dallas shoots seventeen for thirty six from three, so they clearly go into the series thinking they're going to double Luca. Our shooters have to shoot. Take the threes. We're not going to be mad at you. Just do it. They get nothing out of poor Zingas, who continues to be a borderline sunk cost for them in a lot of ways. He was put up 14 and four. He missed nine to 13 shots. And even None worse, he's mattered. like pissed about it the whole time. Too. He has the shittiest attitude. I know. Any guy it really bums like, me out. Yeah, I don't understand it. He, he has this look like, I, I, I don't even know. I, I I don't even know what the, what dumb analogy I could compare it to, but he just 
it's like the guy who thought he was going to be the star of, of the senior class in high school. And then somebody else showed up and that person's the football quarterback and that he's like, all right, here we go. I got it. Matt Damon in school ties. It's like, I thought I was going to be the football star. Where the fuck did Brandon Frazier come from? Now, That's granted, a good one. They're, they're, it, it went, it gets dark. That analogy gets dark. We won't go to the ways it gets dark. I but. feel like it's a little bit like a, an ESPN radio sales function 2009. And I walk in and it's a Mike <laughs> and Mike Van Pelt and Cowherd on the, on the poster when you walk in Oh, and I walk around being like this again, <laughs> fair. And they'll uh, be like, Hey, make sure you show up because none of the other people want to show up. And I'll be like, all right, I'll be there bright and early. And then I'll see the poster and go, you guys can even fucking couldn't even like throw a headshot up there or something. Sneak me in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dallas knows who their best seven guys are. Granted, Porzingis is one of them. They know exactly who they are offensively. They have an incredible player, which gives them the ability to beat anybody. On the flip side, I don't think the Clippers know who the hell they are. Now, if you actually watch them, and I don't know why, but I, w- I would kind of hate watching them in the last couple months of the season. Man was incredibly important for them in the last two months of the year. He's playing like 23, 24 minutes a game. I thought he gave them like an unpredictable athleticism, quirkiness. Like he was just kind of different than anybody they have. Zero minutes in game one. They just punted on him. And yet they're playing all these Reggie Jackson all those dudes, Beverly, they, like, I just don't think they know what their team is. I'm super confused by them. I don't enjoy watching them, and I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. This was not a great Clippers game. Um, you know, it, it goes without saying. I mean, that's an obvious statement when you lose game one, and it looked like, I mean, the weird thing that's funny about this is everybody making fun of the Clippers, and it's like, actually, Dallas didn't want to play them either. Um, yep. If you look at how the regular season went down. And, where do I start? First of all, you're right because they have, I mean, this is the downside of having a million moving pieces and never being able to play your guys together all the time. I mean, they were a far better situation than Brooklyn Nets, but they still have a little bit of that in them where it's like exactly like, how are we doing this? So they decide they don't want to play Zubac, so he's out. Beverly starts on Doncic, which I almost weirdly thought they wanted him to foul out so they didn't have to put him in later. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't think That'd it's be true. such a great idea in a coach's meeting. Hey, what do yeah. we do about Beverly? He's gonna be so pissed if he doesn't play. Like, let's get him in a foul idea. trouble immediately. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then they close with Serge plays 13 minutes, so he's not even a factor in this, yeah, which is it, why we that made we, no sense either. We like the Clippers because of hey, they can go big with Zoo or they can go smaller with Ibaka. And then it's like, no, they're just gonna go smaller. So it's Kawhi, it's Morris, it's George, it's Rondo, and it's Batum to close. And there was two plays in the first quarter. I went out. Here we go. Paul George gets it out on the break, left side, wide open three-point attempt, whips it to the corner, Reggie Jackson, clank. And I go, are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, are we going to do this shit again? Now, George ended up with 23. He had some really good moments, I think, in the third quarter. So, all right, fine. Marcus Morris had a play where he got the ball almost at the free throw line, and all he had to do was dribble once, and it was a wide open layup. He caught it, didn't even look, and turned to make sure he got the ball out of his hands. So I was like, eh, this looks familiar. So in that first quarter, you know, it's, oh, well, hey, we were in the bubble. It was hard on us. Oh, we, you know, this is, and it's it's always something with this team. And like, look, when Kawhi almost, like, like it's a manslaughter charge for what he does to Kleber, um, 
it's it's also George and Morris standing over Mac, being like, ha, we got you. And it's like, okay, but where are you guys going to be in the fourth quarter? And Kawhi had moments where I thought he got annoyed, where he was like, all right, I guess I got to take this thing over. And he was he was terrific in spots. But if you're closing with Rondo and you're closing with Batum, and here's another question I ask you. Like, if the, By the way, that, thing, that, that sentence batted itself. <laughs> right. Here's another thing. with Batum. Like, am I insane? Like, if you have George and Kawhi and the whole thing was how great it was that you have these big switchable wings, why is Batum face guarding Doncic? Because you pre are you getting ready for the pre-switch? So, you know, I don't know every single defensive possession and how it all played out, but as much as I run through all that Clipper side of it, Doncic hit the threes. The goal was to try to make him shoot those. He hits them. The team hits them. And then when they changed their defense, none of that mattered because Doncic tore that all apart, too, in the fourth quarter. I don't understand really anything I watch from them. Now, you could argue they're just a team that when they, you know, like a couple other teams we have in the playoffs, if they don't make threes, there's no plan B. They're 11 for 40 from three. During the season, I think they're over 40%. Over 41%. Yeah. Um, but this is now the third game out of four, three regular season and playoff games where the Clippers have been under 30% against Dallas. I hate watching their offense, and I don't really like watching their team, which um, I had a chance to get playoff tickets in the lottery because I'm a season ticket holder. No thanks. <laughs> no way. Yeah, didn't even get them. I don't really like watching their team. Here's their team. Either people go one-on-one, or somebody jacks up a three. That's it. There's no movement. I thought Rondo was going to be able to come in and at least glue stuff together. And it's like, even I don't, as a longtime Rondo guy, I don't like the look on his face with this team. Have you noticed it? You know, when Rondo is like super engaged and he's like, oh, finally, this team appreciates my genius. On this team, he kind of has that look like he's had in a couple other stops where he's kind of like, yeah, fuck these guys. Like he, he just, you can kind of see it in his eyes. Like they haven't handed him the car keys yet. And it just doesn't look like it's a fun team to play for. And they're also front runners, which I hate. You mentioned it earlier. Like it's the classic, oh, somebody dunked over you. And the other, the two Cobra Kai guys have to come in on the side. Yeah, get him a body bag. It's like, you guys are going to lose. So you think they're going to lose the series now? No, I don't think they're going to lose the series because I think they have moves. I think I think Man and Ibaka have to play more, and I and they just have to realize that and understand it. Ibaka has to be at at least twenty five minutes, and I think Man is an important. I would I thought Man was a borderline crunch time guy for them. I really like that guy. But Ask they needed any Clipper fan about no, Man. Was, it's like he, that guy was a fucking stud for them. He was terrific. But then you got to ask, okay, so what are you doing with how you're doing the Doncic deal? Well, you know, I mean, Morris, they, as you know, I, Morris would be out for me. I, he's playing 10 minutes a game if I'm coaching. I've I've seen his act in the playoffs. I'm good. I'm good with Morris. I'm good with Reggie Jackson, too. You you are who you are. Those guys are in their 30s now. They're not going to change. And Zubats, it's like, this just isn't the series for him. And if you're going to play him, play him off the bench. You know, when you have some some possible size advantages. The way the way Doncic ruined them was was so impressive because it wasn't just the shots. It was like, all right, so Batum's going to meet me at half court and he's going to stand here and he's going to be in my face. And so I don't even know if, I think the Batum thing was trying to match size. I think they wanted to have size everywhere. So if you go man, does that mean Rondo's sitting? Does that mean then man? They're not going to let him run the offense. So that means Kawhi's probably running the offense. So is that too much? But you're right. Like There was a couple possessions where 
You'll see this in games. Wait a second. Wait a second. Why is Batum playing at all? I think it's because of the size part of it. Explain this to me. You have Kawhi and Paul George, and everybody gets a huge, it's a huge jerk-off circle when the when they get those guys it's like oh my god they're gonna be unbelievable defensively oh imagine the switching they'll shut down everybody and then Kawhi doesn't even guard Luka like to me it's like I take out Luka I win the series I'm not gonna take him out he's one of the best five players in the league can I half take him out can I a third take him out why am I not throwing Paul George and Kawhi on him for four for 42 minutes those would be the only two guys that should guard him I don't I don't even care about their offense it's like take out Luka Kawhi do your thing. You're one of the best Look, I'm with perimeter you. players of all time. Take I, out Luca. Will you take out Luca? We win the series. Why it happens throughout the league. Him at all? That's why whenever we'll talk about certain guys' defensive like reputation, it frustrates me because I'll I'll look and see what somebody's capable of, but then I'll also see their assignment all the time. So like, is LeBron ever going to guard Booker? You know, if LeBron actually right. is still this guy defensively, wouldn't he guard Booker at some point? And yeah, but like, well, maybe he's maybe he's just too slow for Booker, or especially now if we're talking about the injury. I, look, I'm with you. I just said it. I don't know why, because you know what'll happen if they're down 2-0, or if they're down in the second game, then they're probably gonna be like, hey, we got to do some different stuff with Luca here. The problem for this was they were getting the ball out of his hands, and then the secondary thing off the Porzingis dunk was I think Hardaway, and then Hardaway had a three, or maybe it was Finney Smith that made the pass to Porzingis, but they. They torched the Clippers off of the stuff they were doing to stop Doncic. And that's that's the part where you're like, oh, damn it. Like, we thought we had a plan, and then it went even worse. 2017 Kawhi, who's Zach Lowe picked to win the MVP over Harden and Westbrook. That dude is guarding Luka in this series. Well, that's why I mentioned at times when we were doing the all-NBA stuff, and I said, I know what Kawhi's reputation is, but I feel like he floats. And that's why I didn't vote for him for first team on NBA. And that's why I rigged it. So I made Luca forward because I was like, Kawhi wasn't one of the best five players I saw this year. I'm not putting him first team on NBA at a reputation. I think their best five, call me crazy, is Kawhi and George, Rondo, Man, Abaka. And I don't think they're, though, they probably won't play that lineup the entire series. But against this Dallas team, that's their best lineup. Have Kawhi handle Luca and have him not shut him down, but do his thing. He's supposed to be one of the best defensive players of all time at that position. So either he's not anymore or you're using him wrong. I don't get it. Um, one other thing. So, man, after the All-Star break, he was 22.3 minutes a game. His splits were 53, 44, 85. And he averaged almost 10 points a game. And if you watch the Clippers, he really gave them energy and athleticism that nobody else on the roster gives them other than their best two guys. So um, And Kennard. Yeah, poor Kennard. So then from a panic button, blow it up standpoint, they're three losses away from um, an earthquake happening transactionally because everyone at the front office is out. And I, I'm not reporting that. I'm just saying they can't bring that front office back when all of these moves they've made, they they kind of struck out. Kennard, $64 million for Morris, et cetera, et cetera. Brutal. And then on top of it, they locked down Paul George to that extension. And, it, and if I'm Kawhi, and even though it's been widely reported that he's going to resign, we haven't officially gotten word that he's definitely 100% resigning with the Clippers. And if I'm Kawhi, I'm like, we're going to run this back again? Like, I <laughs> I won one playoff series in two years. Uh, 
we have no first round picks for a hundred years. Like, can, what are we doing? What's happening? So, you know, and in lurking in the background of all of this is the fact that Kawhi hasn't signed the extension yet and could opt out. And the Knicks have a million kajillion dollars in cap space. I'm not saying he'd go there, but he, it's not like he doesn't have options. Pretending you know what's going on with Kawhi is usually a mistake. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think either of us are making that mistake right now because he's the toughest guy to read. But I mean, this is, this is why, you know, there'll be things that'll happen in the league and you'll ask a team, be like, why did you do that? And be like, I don't know. You know, it was like the Anthony Davis one was always one. Like until he's signed, he's not signed. So we'll always try to maybe maneuver, you know, what if Anthony Davis went to the Lakers, hated it, didn't like it. And then even everything, I mean, plenty of things have been predicted contractually that didn't happen. Well, how about so, Kyrie? Kyrie in Boston. I don't think he was ever staying. I think he faded all of Boston and, and convinced the front office that he was staying when he never was going to stay. But mm. you're right. Everybody thought he was going to stay. Yes, everyone. Yeah, I don't think he ever was going to stay. The only case for Kawhi staying with the Clips is just that he loves it here and he wanted to live in California, all that stuff. So yeah, so maybe good. he stays and maybe it's fine. So I, I, when you say like earthquake, I, I've heard, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because it'd be incredibly disappointing. But then you go, okay, what are the real moves? Like, what are the real moves? Can I give like, you one? Yeah, I, I love I, this part of your game. As you know, I've been known to come up with a fake trade from time to time. Who Carson Edwards no? in two seconds. Who says no to a Paul George Brandon Ingram trade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Normally, <laughs> I would think the Clippers would say no. I would I think don't the think Clippers so. would say no, but they might be sick of them. You know, again, who knows? Clippers could be in the Western Conference Finals in a couple of weeks. And this <laughs> They've only lost one stupid. game. I've already yeah, got right. a panic <laughs> trade. But I, that was a trade I thought made a ton of sense for both sides. That solves a lot of issues each way. Gives the uh, Clips a little extra scoring. Kind of breaks the... Anyway. Can't overreact yet. I will say this, though. <laughs> Can't overreact yet. <laughs> Can't overreact yet, even though I just traded uh, Clippers' second best player. Um, I will say this. I love watching Luca, And he's has a chance to be an all-time guy. And the history of these all-time guys is it usually happens earlier than you think. There's usually a run before you expect it. It happened with LeBron um, in 07. All of a sudden, he was in the finals. And we were like, he's in the finals with that team? With, One with, of the greatest accomplishments of his with, career. With, uh, who is it? Eric Snow and Delonte West. And I, I can't even remember. That team was a Pavlovich. The team was a disaster. They beat the Pistons. He beat Hall of Famer Ben Wallace. Oh, no, Ben Wallace was gone by that point. He beat Rashid Billups, Hamilton. Um, I think Antonio McDice was on there, but anyway, LeBron creeped in there and we were all completely stunned. I don't think it's far-fetched to think Luca could creep into the finals with this team just because of how good he is. And it's a weird year, you know, same thing for the Blazers who are about to talk about. They looked like they were dead three weeks ago. Now they have this incredible matchup with the Nuggets that they just, you watch one game and you're like, holy shit, how are the fuck are the Blazers going to beat them? I mean, how, I, excuse me, how are the Nuggets going to beat them when the backcourt matchup is such a profound disadvantage? It almost seems insurmountable. So the Blazers beat the Nuggets. Then the Suns beat the Lakers. All of a sudden, it's looking good for the Blazers. Anyway, 
You just never know with this shit. We we got to give the Blazers some love here. As yeah, we let's do that. Up. We can end on that. Um, here's what would alarm me if I was a Nuggets fan. Jokic and Porter put up a combined 59 and 25. They shot 26 for 48. And that game wasn't close. And I don't know what plan B is. It's not like those guys can score more. I mean, yeah, could they get to 65 combined? Maybe. But when you have a backcourt matchup like that, it's just like I was getting Matt Maloney flashbacks. It's an NBA deep cut. Remember that series? You're going to have to remind me. Stockton. I looked it up. Stockton was 21 and 10. Matt Maloney was 7 and 3. 1997 West Finals. Oh, Houston Matt Maloney. Houston Matt Maloney. Yeah. So, advantage Utah. (laughs) Lillard Campazzo. Campazzo's nice. I mean, he's like a good 10th man, I guess, but uh, Dame's just going to destroy him the whole series. Then you have McCollum next to him. And I just don't see a map for Denver. And it was weird because I kind of like Denver heading into the series because, ah, Jokic, they'll figure it out. And then you watch it like, Jokic could go 40 and 20 every game and I don't think they're going to win this series. That seems to be the goal. He had one assist. Jokic had one assist in a playoff game where he played 35 minutes. That's that's ridiculous. And so that's kind of what they said after the fact. Like, we're going to let him score. Not let him score, but we're going to single cover him so that way we're not helping off and then he's going to beat us with all of his passing. And so Porter has 25, but he went one of 10 from three with zero free throw attempts. Jokic Mm. had four free throw attempts. I think, yeah. So the Nuggets made four free throws in a playoff game. Four. Four. There's definitely, you know, Nurkic, who I don't think looked right for most of the season, but he definitely does seem like semi-comfortable defending Jokic because they have that whole history together, right? Where they... And he was efficient. They played in this Denver. Was, this is, if you're going to get like a consistently efficient, active Nurkic making it tough on everybody for 30 plus minutes, then it kind of changes everything. Whereas when I watch them closing the regular season, like if you go all star break, Denver number eight on offense. So post all star break, where are your rankings? Denver 13th on defense. Like, hey, shocker, Denver once again, like it's kind of middle of the pack defensively. Portland was the best offense in the NBA after the all star break but they were atrocious defensively and their record was bad against teams over 500. So when I look at their defense and there were certain nights where I felt like when it was wings that they had to deal with, that it was a problem or closing minutes, I'd be like, ah, this team's just better than them. And Portland's not going to be able to like, you're just going to be able to get what you want on Portland when you can go ahead and do that. But for one game, the approach with Jokic, and it kind of reminds me like if, if it ends up being Brooklyn and Philly, would we see some version of this with Brooklyn and Philly? We're like, all right, MB, go get 45. Like we don't care. Like, we don't care, but we're not going to f- collapse defensively. And I think for a night, Portland played it perfectly on top of them moving the ball well. Um, a lot of guys feeling like they're engaged. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, the, the teams, who, who do they know who they are? Who do they, they know who they are. They played eight guys. And Simons gave them good minutes off the bench as well. Same thing with Anthony. And Canner's at least a nice big body that can beat up on Jokic a little bit, where the quickness part of Canner's game isn't, at such a, it's not going to be exposed the same way it would against some other guys. So for a night, it it worked out perfectly. I guess I'm just like, for the series, Portland didn't beat good teams and they were terrible defensively. So let's see what happens. And they were also 19 for 40 from three in this game. So, perfect game for them. 
it's interesting that of all their big moves this offseason, and everyone was talking about how the Blazers won the offseason, Covington helped them, obviously. Um, Cantor played a little, and none of the other guys even played. Giles, Derek Jones. Um, Giles is not. You bring up Giles like he was. Well, I'm just like, they signed all these dudes. and the They gave him like they, a million bucks. The thing they really needed was a, was a backup point guard. So now it's on Simons, but Simons was actually good in game one. If he can give them 20 decent minutes, that really helps them. Because Lillard played 40 and McCollum played 36. So they need, they basically need somebody to play 20 minutes for them as a third guard. It goes back to what we talked about in part one where they could have had Derrick Rose, right? Or somebody like that for nothing. Basically yeah, but they brought like, in Norman Powell. So they're three guarding you to death with Simons as the fourth. I'm talking like a ball handling guard. So Simons has to be the third kind of person who can handle the ball with those other two. Anyway, um, good, good start for them. I feel bad for Jokic. I would have loved to have seen this series with Murray. We did not get that. What's Murray's deal, by the way, in game one? Active. Active. So I think he saw what Clay was doing in those two playing games and felt like he needed to step it up a notch, was my guess. Because Clay was like a caged animal in <laughs> those games. I don't I don't know if they're showing it on Wednesday night, but he was like pacing behind the bench back and forth. Yeah, like, but Murray was, was going to the center it. court line in the coach's box. Yeah. yeah that was a little weird. Um, Denver's three through nine rotation or three through 10. Aaron Gordon, Austin Rivers, Compazzo, Millsap, Jamichael Green, Morris, and Howard. That's, uh, 80% of their playoff rotation. It's pretty rough. I think you could argue that's the worst three through 10 in the playoffs, unless you want to make a case for Washington. It'll be kind of funny to see how the Gordon thing plays out here. Um, 16 shots is a lot for him in this offense. He was fine. But the size is supposed to be the factor here. So you know what? Look, I, I think that Jokic is smart enough that he's going to go into the second game with a different approach. I mean, there's plenty of stuff I saw in game one where you go, okay, you're going to have to figure this out. Um, you know, Bam, they're dropping against Bam in in that Milwaukee approach, like what they're doing with him. So it's like, okay, next time you get the ball, be a little bit more ready. I mean, there's a few other things I've, I've just noticed from games where you're going to see guys go, okay, this is what they're doing. All right, now we're going to adjust. And I would expect Jokic and, and this team to figure out something to uh, maybe they start with the ball not in his hands, you know, for a quarter, try, try some different stuff there. So we'll see. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries, maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp. A convenient and flexible way, since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started, too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. 
and you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. Do you want to talk about this, the LeBron not getting suspended thing? Yeah, I'm confused. I don't know. I read the article and I remember being like, oh my gosh. And then immediately the article was like, it was deemed that this wasn't a thing. So if it wasn't a thing, that's fine. I I can't help but ask the question if it's if it's Dennis Schroeder, he's, he's missing the first round. It's weird because the NBA, on the one hand, has been pretty fanatical about sticking to protocol no matter what it was, right? Most famously with the Hori shove or the Miami Knicks fight in the late 90s, stuff like that. Um, this time around, I don't even know what the excuse was. And it just seems like they kind of swept it under the rug. There was a big, big sports weekend. It ha- it played out over a weekend. So, you know, if this was a Monday, Tuesday situation, I think it leads first take. Maybe it takes a different life. But I thought it was bizarre when I saw the pictures of him at the party because I was like, wait a second. Are, are they, is, is he supposed to be around people like this? Did they lift the restrictions? Then obviously they didn't. But I think they were just like, we are just not going to suspend the best player in the week. Or not suspend, but not uh, prevent him from playing for a week or whatever it is. But they changed the rules. That's what it seemed like. It did. I'm not confident saying I know 100% because I didn't talk to anybody about it. But I remember reading the article. I haven't talked to one person. It just seems like they changed the rules in this case. There was just, it was very telling that when I clicked on the articles for it, within a paragraph, it was telling you why this wasn't a big deal. So I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> All right. And I don't want to suspend it either. So it wasn't like I was saying, oh, he needs to be suspended. That's the thing. I was delighted just... they didn't suspend right. him. But the history of the league is that they usually, no, nope, we got it. This is the protocol. Look, there were guys, I don't know what happened with Zach Levine this year or the protocol. We're like, oh, it's still out more days of the protocol. And so there would be times Tristan we were like, what, what the hell's going on? And then it'd be like, the league's not letting him come back. And then the player would even hit it. Like, I don't even know what the hell's going on. I didn't even test positive for COVID. So I'm not sure what's up. So, you know, if the league was like, we're going to be a little loose with the rules on this one because it's LeBron James, that's fine. I think what gets frustrating at times is when you hear the the rationale for it, where it's like, well, I only do what I need to do for my family. Like, no, you went to a fucking cool tequila party with with Drake and Michael B. Jordan. Like, that's a cool thing to do. And you clearly wanted to go ahead and do that. But... You know, if it weren't somebody that we think is all about winning, you could also argue like it feels a bit selfish. But I don't know. I don't maybe they everybody in there had a vaccination card. Maybe it was some sort of thing where everything was cool. Maybe they had asked about it ahead of time. I don't know. So I'm not going to criticize the guy. Me neither. I thought the whole story was weird. I didn't understand it. I still don't. And I wonder what would have happened if it had been. I don't know. Evan Fournier. Deported. Do you have any prediction for these game twos before we go? I'd expect the Lakers to have things figured out. I don't know what the Clippers are going to do. I'd expect a better game from Denver. I think Boston's going to be even worse. Washington will be worse. Uh, I think Milwaukee gets game two. I'm just running through it. I don't yeah. see any scenario where the Nets don't sweep the Celtics unless one of those three guys oh, got I, hurt. Oh, I, I could see those guys getting one game just because that's the Nets. I like, don't see it. I, I could see the Nets going like, I don't feel like playing tonight. <laughs> well, but that's what it would have to happen. Like, that's what I mean. Like, they they not, don't even suit up. 
Yeah, I could see those guys being like, you know, we just maintenance resting. We we always want to miss one first rounder. <laughs> like, wait, what? I don't see them doing that. I see them getting this series over as fast as they can and trying to think about like, whoa, we might no team's ever gone sixteen and zero, like one of those type of things. I think that's more realistic. Um, I think Denver's in a shitload of trouble, and it's an amazing test of Jokic. I agree with you, Washington. So long. Um, Lakers Suns will be the most fascinating adjustments series, I think, of all of them. And then Clips Dallas will be the most fascinating from just like, could the Clips just crater? If you're going to be like, who who is your most likely team to just completely crater and get swept? Like, what was that year when the uh, Pelicans beat the Blazers? When all of a sudden the Pelicans were sweeping the Blazers? Like, what what's happening? They're getting swept? I would say the Clippers are my most likely team to just completely crater. There's no real great evidence of uh, real fortitude from that group. So I'm not going to take the other side of that. Um, but if we're 1-1 here and the Clippers hit some threes and they're a middle, little bit more keyed into Doncic and Doncic doesn't start off on fire in the first quarter and the Clippers even the series, I'm not going to be surprised by that either. Because Dallas could win that game too. And then it goes back to Dallas, which will be a full house, right? They'll have a sellout. Texas, right? And then I it's guess. a game three. Porzingis has decided not to Texas play. Texas has been open for a year, I think. So Porzingis is questionable with a shitty look on his face. <laughs> it's not an injury. <laughs> He's got a grimace that actually froze on his right cheek. He's, he's questionable. It's a game time decision. DNP attitude. <laughs> it's like Porzingis. Can't they take him to smiling camp? He's still a heck of a talented player, but he seems to be miserable in this current Can I do a quick and... parent corner with you before we go? Yeah, please. Um, it seems like Ben Simmons is is getting into girls again. You know, He was off toward... of them? Well, you know, they late sixth, seventh grade, they becomes the, the guy girl, then all of a sudden it comes back. You know, that seventh grade, it gets dicey for like half a year. Um, it's back. And yesterday he asked to sleep over his friend's Jackson's house. And it turns out it's because they wanted to go to a mall. So they went to a mall and they were just kind of cruising around in a mall for a couple of hours trying to run into girls. Ben Simmons. Food court? That kind of I, stuff? It, I, I was just so, remember the days where it's like, where, where do we go? Just go to a mall. Well, I kind of do because I remember what it was like when it first started happening and you would just see a girl from another town and it was like discovering a new country. Right. Who's you would that? just go like, oh my what God, what's going on? What school does she go to? Right. Like, oh, wow. Who did you, you know, do you know anyone? No, you don't know anyone. You're young. You, none of you have licenses. Some older brother dropped you off and he's miserable that he had to do it. And then he picks you up and you're not ready and all that kind of stuff. But it was all ripped from me very quickly because that was when you moved to Martha's Vineyard, there's no one from another town. Right. <laughs> there's no, hey, are you, are you from the mainland? Can you take me away from this place? Do you have highways? Yeah, there's definitely, there's also some on, there's a whole online scene. What are they the doing? With the different schools and FaceTime and friends of FaceTime and group FaceTime and Omegle and all these different sites where they just kind of meet people and cross paths. And Kyle, do you understand when Ben talks about it? Do you totally understand this weird world that's going on here? Uh, I thought Omega was strangers, so... I think I probably don't understand exactly what it is. I thought it was sort of like uh, you just get a random person that shows up on your screen. That might have been something else, but that's what I thought it was. So I wouldn't. 
want either of those two on that, to be honest with you. And then there's like, they'll have like a Netflix watch party where they'll watch a movie together and it'll just be a whole bunch of people like cracking jokes. On a text movie. thread? There might be a couple. No, it's like you actually can see each other. It's like FaceTime crossed with watching a movie together because it started with the pandemic. So it's a lot of stuff. I'll keep you posted though, because I feel like, uh, I feel like this summer is going to be a breakout for him. Okay. What's he like though around? Cause he's, he's honestly one of the most confident people I've ever seen. So I don't, I don't think he's going to, but you never know. Like he's confident around dudes, you know, I think he's he, pretty confident. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to Kyle. Do you have a better scouting report than the dad does in this situation? Well, Kyle, Kyle just had dinner with them. So he got to see it in action. Yeah, he's he's killing it. All aspects. That's all I have. He's my guy. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> but Kyle, did I say too much? No, I don't okay, think so. Great. I just like that he's going going to a mall and they're just doing the circles. Like it's like a 1980s movie or like super bad. I thought it was cool when Kyle was like, I'm not going to get you cigarettes, but I'll get you some dip. <laughs> Mango jewel pods. Uh, and then... Last night, my daughter was just bored okay. and holding it against us. It was like, I'm just bored. It's just boring to be here. It's like, all right, well, you don't have a driver's license yet. What do you want from us? And uh, it brought me back to the days when you would just be 16 and angry because nothing was going on in your board. Hey, she's going to be pretty close to getting her license though, right? Yeah, in a couple months. Yeah, it, the fights are going to be on with the with my wife and daughter at that point. There's going to be some incredible conflict. That's she's such like, an amazing she, She's yeah. like, I'll just get in my car and just drive around just to drive. Like, I'll just go drive down the beach. And, and, my, and my wife's like, you're not doing that. You're not using a car unless we know why you're using it. Why? You don't trust. And then they're just yelling at each other. And I'm just like, hey, can you guys keep it down? The Clippers are blowing a lead here. <laughs> Also, uh, what are you going to do about the car situation? Well, everyone in my family hates me because between the Bruins and the, all the playoff games, all I've done is watch TV really since Wednesday night and everyone's had it. This is a big, this is a big weekend between this, the golf F1. The the Mickelson was amazing. I got to say the Bruins like handed it to the caps. Like, I watched every game. They they fucking gave it to them. The Caps, they snuck out game one. Bees rallied back in two. And by game four, it was like just the Bruins were just clearly better. They're top two line. This might be the best two line, top two lines they've ever had. It, at least since I've been watching them. Both of the, the, either line can score on any shift. It's unbelievable. They put so much pressure on, on the Caps. The Caps were like, you could tell they were just spent. I'm not going to pretend I, I know everything that's going on, but I, I had all five games on, on another TV. And yeah. I found myself, and I knew this was going to happen, because then I started watching my Oilers. And mm. I was like, geez, guys. Just kidding. But my eyes kept drifting. And I was like, look, one pays the bills, the other one doesn't. So stop watching hockey. Even though I had this kind of epiphany between all the soccer that was going on this week. Um. It's a real thing, but hockey and soccer are better television products than basketball and football. They're pretty good. The widescreens in the HD has been unbelievable for hockey. But it's also that, okay, here we go. Let's play 20 minutes. All right. Soccer. 
uninterrupted. Like, look, I don't like soccer better than basketball or football, but when you talk about the stoppages, the reviews, all the stuff about the regular season basketball that we've complained about, and I know when I throw the NFL in there, people push back because I actually still like college football better than the NFL. Um, I don't expect many people to agree with me, but I'm telling you, like, if you're starting to think of your league and and going 20, 30 years out, I don't know that hockey's ever going to be mainstream enough to kind of, I always felt like it had a lot of momentum in the 90s because the video game was so prevalent. Like everybody played the video game. So everybody knew who all the players were. And then you start paying attention because you were kind of invested. And that's all you need to do. And the devil's ruined everything. Yeah. Then the devil's ruined everybody with their, their, their zone. Um, but when I, when I've spent, I think there's only six nights that I didn't watch basketball all season. And three of those were when I went out of the country because there's no TV in my room, which I didn't know when I booked it ahead of time, but I probably needed <laughs> okay. these guys. The guy's like, oh, there's there's no televisions in Tulum. I'm like, zero? There's not any TVs in Tulum? I'm like, I, there's probably a couple places that have TVs. So, But the point is, is I, as I'm peeking to the other stuff, I'm like, so they just keep playing, huh? Like, it's uninterrupted. And like people don't just sit around and complain every single, every 30 seconds. It, I don't know. I, I don't, look, I'm, you and I are basketball guys, but I, I think to be fair about it, I, I watch some of these other sports ago. I think this is a more enjoyable watch for two hours. I think the thing that hurts hockey with this stuff, and I sat behind the net for Kings games for three years, really trying to like figure out what was going on. I was, I really enjoyed it. I used to take my daughter all the time. I had a great time. Um, and a lot of times it was just like one team skated slightly harder than the other. Um, these two teams were dead even. And then this wrist shot hit a defenseman's shoulder and, you know, squeaked through and that's how we lost the series. And I was, it just seems so, so random in such a frustrating way. Sometimes that's why this Bruins thing, they were just like, they're just better than the caps. You could tell, I don't know what will happen for the next series, but, um, well, that's definitely hockey, true. Yeah. It's not, it's just not that fun to talk about because like in basketball, we can even talk about something like the Rose, the, what do we do with Trey Young? What do the Knicks do? Well, if you take out Rose to put in quickly for defense, you lose. Like we have all these variables with hockey. It's like, there's this next level of conversation. The hockey people can do it, but I think it's hard for the casual fans or maybe there's not a lot there to do it with. I don't know. I I don't think think we know this hour to do about Bruins caps. It was just the Bruins are better. Their two lines are better. We can't do it. Other people can do it. We can't. I know I can't do it. So yeah. I don't, I don't think, but I'll agree with you how frustrating the ends are to some of these overtimes where you can be in control, you're deep, you know, you're getting shots, it's not, and then somebody fucking flicks it off somebody else's skate and it's like being shot from behind in a movie. It's like, that's it's how like, we won game three. It was like the dumbest goal. Yeah. So that <laughs> part, like, oh, wow, we won. Okay. You don't really have that in basketball. Like the reason I've always liked basketball the most is. Hey, who's the best guy? All right. Well, now the best guy has to do something and it's kind of on him to do it. And then you get to see who the best guy is or isn't because basketball is like all out there. There's no hiding in basketball and football. There's a million moving pieces. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you found one thing to be, I would just feel like there's teams that lose in hockey. You're like, I can't believe we lost in that stupid goal. But um, to know, to watch, to watch 20 minutes uninterrupted though of action is really great considering that's just not what basketball is in the biggest moments anymore. It's also insane how fast these dudes are. Like Pasternak, he hit this goal, the first goal of the game today. Looked like a, vi- did you see it? It was like a video game goal. 
He yeah, I watched. He's on the, the whole left series. side. The guy came at him to poke check. He brought the puck behind him, then did a bit like between the legs, almost like a basketball move, and then slid across, deked the goalie. I mean, it was like it, if if anybody had done that in like 1980, I would have had a stroke. <laughs> like if Terry Riley had done that, I just would have been like, what? My head would have come off my body. By the way, Bruins Islanders is looming. It's very, it's in play. That was one of the great random tough losses of uh, my childhood. What, Pat LaFontaine? No, the earlier, the when the Islanders were ripping off cups, we we went we went against them and Gillies and O'Reilly. I think they fought four times in six games. And Gillies kind of, if you're going to score it, it was like 10-9, 10-9, maybe 10-10, then like a 10-8. I don't think I don't know if O'Reilly beat him once, and then they shook hands after, which I Dell will be etched in my mind. But uh, it would be good. A little Bruins Islanders would be fun. I think the Bruins are really good. Like I really do think they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, but it's always just it, the sport is just so much more open. But you know what? This is what I'm going to stop myself here because I just started watching like a couple weeks ago because I don't I don't have time for anything else, and it just happened to be that they would be on early enough that I was like, okay, now that. You know, we got through the regular season part of it. All right, let's end this. We're going to end every Sunday night. Gun to your head. Who's in the finals and who wins? I just want to see if we have the same pick every week. Uh, I'll stay. I'll stay Philly Lakers. I'm staying Milwaukee Lakers, but I don't feel great about it. I don't either. I mean, we should probably just get it over with and pick Brooklyn. <laughs> but we both don't want to. I'm just not going to gonna do it. I can't we just, root for we it. Both, we both don't want to. I mean, I felt terrible because I tweeted out when it was 36-33 and the Celtics had made a bunch of threes and Brooklyn missed all of them. And I was like, yeah. this game's over. I was like, this game is over. And then I spent the rest of the game kind of like wanting Brooklyn to win. So my tweet wasn't wrong. And I go, this is even worse. Don't do this again. Like at least at least pretend you're rooting for somebody you you care about it, but I don't know. Um, I'm not going to have much emotionally invested in these playoffs already. Can I? Do you think in game two? Can I see for five minutes? Smart, Neesmith, Tatum, Fournier, Rob Williams, those five guys. I can't can believe we're an hour I and a half in. Can I see it for in. five minutes? No, see, I, that's it. That's what I'm leaving you with. Okay. All just right. five minutes. I just want to oh. see that lineup for five minutes once the series. You save the best content for last. Thank you. Well done. Uh, Rosillo, you have podcasts coming Tuesday and Thursday. Congratulations to my fellow old guy, Phil Mickelson. And uh, we will be back here um, on Sunday at that. Who knows? Somebody will be swept. There'll be at least one or two sweeps, but we will see you uh, next Sunday. I will see you here on Tuesday. Uh, new rewatchables coming tomorrow night. We did The Rock. Nick Cage, Sean Connery. So be ready for that one. Uh, Nephew Kyle, a.k.a. Kyle Creighton, produced this podcast. And that's it. Don't forget about part one, too, if you missed it. See you on Tuesday.